Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are I want to share a little bit of what's going to happen here today. Um, I guess the best way of saying this is this. Uh, Pastor Frank Trotta, uh, my brother Frank, you guys know him. He's, uh, we go have um, breakfast like what, a week, two weeks ago. And I don't even remember how we got, we got it. I, I mean, we just, uh, putting both of us to have conversation is not necessarily a good thing all the time. Because we just go all over the place, and some somehow we've we've we we've learned to communicate as we're all over the place. <laughs> but he starts to talk to me about this family, and um, and as he starts to share about this family, he starts to cry there, and it was packed the place, and I'm like, oh man, this is interesting. And he's telling me, and as I'm listening to him, I'm drawn to what he's saying, and he starts talking to me about this family, the Reader family. And he starts to share with me a little bit about who they are and uh, what the last 11 weeks or so have looked for them and what's been going on in their lives and how they're connected with Love Life and um, how they know the founder, they know Mark and Holly and, and how all of that kind of was put together. And, and as he's crying, I'm holding back my tears. My, you know, I have, my eyes are all watery. We're both there like, like two children, just can't even control ourselves. And in my heart, deep in my spirit, I just felt something in me say, knock on that door. Knock on that door and, and, and just you see how I open it. And, I, and, and as Frank was sharing, I said, wait a minute, I've heard this story because I saw Mia, uh, Mia put a post on this. And, um, and, and I remember this because of Mia. And he said, yes. And then he shared with me that whole story of that post of Mia and how she got involved in that. And I was just like, wow. And I said, Frank, listen, I'm very sensitive to these things. And when I have a conversation like this, I try to, when I feel this, I try to see what God wants to do. And I really feel this in my heart as I'm, as I'm listening to you to ask this family to see if they're willing to come to our church. Because I believe that their story could be a blessing. And I think that there's people in our church that need to hear this story. And right then and there, he got on his phone. I, he started calling Mia, and then from there, they started to make their, their contacts, and I just left it in God's hand because I knew that I needed to meet this family. I needed to meet Pastor Jameson, and I needed just to meet Jameson, young Jameson as well, and just to hear from them. Um, and I was so moved, and when I got a, a text message, and then we, we spoke the other day on the phone, it was immediately when we began to speak where I felt as if we knew each other. I just felt so at peace on the phone. And I knew that this was a God thing and that God wanted this family to be at our, our church. We had other plans for today. And um, they're moving around and we're praying soon that they get to go back home. They're going to share a little bit about that. Um, but when he says, look, I have this Sunday available, I told him, I said, look, the answer is a yes. Let me make some phone calls, move things around, but just plan for a yes. But I'll call you later to go over everything. And we moved some things around and, and we knocked on the door. The Lord opened up the door, and today we have the Reader family with us. And um, amen. 
And we want to honor God today with the story and with what they're going to share today and, and honor God um, with the warrior that is James and um, the work that God is doing even in his life and through his life, even in on this. And, he, and, he, and I told his dad today, I said, the Lord is just getting started because of the doors that are going to open up for this family. I really mean that. And, and for Jameson. And um, coming here today, I just felt so privileged because I believe this is the first church that they're going to share their story. This is very fresh for them. So keep them in prayer, and we'll talk about all that after. But this is the first time that they're going to share this to a church. But I believe that God is using this because from here, there's going to be many more platforms where they're going to stand on to lift up the name of Jesus, where many are going to come to know Christ because of something that could have been turned for evil, to harm, and for death. The Lord is going to turn it around like he's doing, and he turns it around for good. He turns it around for life, for salvation. <clears throat> and we can't wait to see the fruit of what has happened with this family. Amen? Amen. So this is what we're going to do. I, I, I'm, I'm giving them the service, and I'm giving uh, Pastor Jameson and, and his son and who, whatever he wants to do um, the green light. We're going to play a video, and after that, he's going to come up here, and we're going to welcome um, the Reader family. Amen? So enjoy this video, and then we'll welcome the Reader family. Amen. Amen. My name is Jameson Reader. On August 13th, 2022, while snorkeling with my family in the Florida Keys, I was attacked by a nine-foot bull shark. My life was saved, but my leg was amputated. While in the hospital, Jesus put it in my heart to return to the reef so I can face my fear. about Jesus because Jesus saved my life. Well, good morning, Nest. It's a privilege to be with you. Pastor Rigo, thank you, my brother. It is such a, an honor to know your pastor and just to get to know him uh, for the first time and to have him 
invite us in, as you heard, and, and open the doors of this great church to the amazing people of God in Miami. We believe that God is doing and wants to do a great work. Do you believe that? I'm expectant today that we're not here just to talk about some things that have happened, but we're talking about what God is doing, something that is happening and unfolding in our midst. And I, I just hope and pray that we all lean in a little bit today. That's what I want to ask from you. I don't want you just to sit back and hear a story. I want you to lean in and engage with what God is doing. Would you do that with me today? We're just going to let our, sp- our spirit be, let our hearts be led by the spirit of the living God. And uh, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us today. And I just believe that what God is doing in these days, in the days that he is ordained for us to live is some of the most amazing things that he has had planned from the foundations of the world when he spoke this world into existence. That the word of God, the voice of God, it speaks, and when it speaks, it creates, it transforms, it moves, it heals. We sang and Pastor led us about a lot of that today. God is in the healing work, and there's plenty of, plenty of that that we can talk about as a family. But today, I believe that what God began to do through the early church 2,000 years ago is actually about to culminate in the next 10 years. Let me explain that. And I'm just going to kind of just, uh, I'm a preacher, but, but I'm just going to share today. So I don't have a text that I'm just opening and, and going through. We're going to share, obviously, God's Word, because without God's Word, uh, we, we're just here talking. So, so, so we're going to share Scripture, um, but, but we're not going to walk through a text that, the way that maybe Pastor Rigo does or the way that I would usually do. So today's going to be a little different. It is our very first time to share in this way. Um, I've been an ordained, an ordained minister and serving the Lord in full-time Christian ministry um, for over 20 years. And so, so the things that you're going to hear today um, that, that have happened, because there's some things that have happened, and uh, there, there was a shark attack that changed our lives 12 weeks ago yesterday. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to give you as many of those details as we can today, because God is in You've heard of the devil's in the details? Well, I just want you to know God is in the details. And he's also in the interruptions. This is not something we could have planned or wanted to happen, obviously. But we have said, Lord, lead us. We will let whatever you do be used for your glory. So whatever platforms may come, whatever opportunities may come, the only thing that this family is committed to doing is telling the good news that Jesus still saves, and he's in the soul-saving business, and if you turn your life over to him, it will be the greatest joy that you have ever found this side of heaven. That, that's the story. Not only, is, not only is God in the interruptions and, and, and in the details, God is in the tragedies. You know, Scripture tells us that he's near the brokenhearted, and those who are crushed in spirit. He's near. 
Today, if you have anything that you know to be true in your life, I know if you've lived long enough, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of one, or you're about to go into one. And you need the hope that that scripture that the psalmist writes when he says that he's near the brokenhearted. You need that hope today. And uh, I want to I also thank uh, Mia for putting together an amazing video. She did an incredible job. And we're so honored that she came with us as we return to the reef. Mia, thank you. We're going to get into all of that. The rescue at the reef and the return to the reef, all within um, 10 weeks of each other. The, the rescue at the reef happened on August 13th, 2022, and the return to that same reef happened just 10 weeks later. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But, but I want to I just begin today with, if, if I were, and, and I'm still, because we're sharing at a church next Sunday in Miami, and uh, and, and I'm just asking God just to, to give us the right language. Because, you see, what, what, what Satan is doing, and I want to talk about a pattern of presence for a moment. Uh, I'm going to just share some, um, some, some things that I hope will be building blocks as we eventually share the details of our story. That as a layer, a lens that we can see what God is doing. So as we hear this story, and I'm going to invite all the kids in just a little bit. If you are a young man or a young woman, I'm going to invite all of you to come up here in a minute, not yet, because I want to do something special just for our up-and-coming young warriors, the men and women that that will set the pace, change the culture, and continue to live the light that the people of God are called to be. We want to begin bestowing upon them at this very young age who they already are in Christ. Their mind is seated in heavenly places. This is not something we we work towards, but if your mind is seated in heavenly places, then why are the things of this earth holding you back? In fact, by the way, the adults need to hear that more than the kids because because the kids are ready to charge, right? They're ready to go hard and fast. It's usually us adults going, well, just hold on a minute. Just just hold on. Let's think about what that's going to sound like or look like. And Jesus was like, stop that. Stop it. Let these little kids come to me. Let these children come to me. Stop putting all these precautionary words upon them. Let them speak. Let them lead. Let them live. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And so we're going we're gonna to have a word for them in a minute. But, but, but I just, I just want to say, if I, if I were to put some language to this, it would be rescue and return. A title or whatever, right? Rescue and return. Jesus saves, and the king is coming. Rescue and return. Jesus saves, and the king is coming. Now, why does language matter? I wanted to say something about that for a minute. Um, Satan has said, hey, there's a rainbow flag I'm going to reclaim. Okay? And... um, the people of God have said, okay, here, here it is, right? We, we, we don't want to bow the knee to anybody, but we will bow the knee to fear. So, all right, you, you want it, here it is, have it. 
And, and we've done that same thing in our homes when, when our men have abandoned their wife, their girlfriend, impregnated them, gotten their, these children to come into the world and then have left. We said, you want, you want our kids to? Here they are. Here, here they are. And one, one of the most stunning things that is happening right now is that we're afraid to tell the truth, but we'll let, I'm just going to speak truth here today, we'll let the LGBTQ community speak boldly in a way that's not true, and we as the people of God will bend the knee and we will bow down to the Nebuchadnezzars of the world and we will say, keep telling the lies because you know what? The only person who can stop the lies is people bearing the truth and letting that light of truth go forth into a dark world. It's okay to tell the truth in the church building, but it's not okay to, to tell the truth in the public square. Hey, We'll let churches keep doing church, keep playing the games that they play, just as long as it doesn't spill out from their pews into the city streets. You see, I don't think we have a sin problem in our cities. We have a salt problem in our churches. You see, the sin in our city is a direct result to the lack of salt doing what salt is called to do. It's supposed to get out of the, the salt shaker. We just want to stay in the shaker. We just want to be around the salt. What is light made for? It's made for the darkness. We can no longer hide the light in the building. It's time to be the body. It's time to be bold. It's time to go forth into a world that needs the truth and is dying to hear the truth of God. But it's only the people of God who can tell the truth to a world that needs to hear it. God has chosen to work through the people of God. So over 20 years ago, the Lord called me into ministry at the age of 13, Pastor Rigo. And, and I know at the age of 11, Jameson Jr., my, my oldest, me and Mary's oldest son, um, at the age of 11, God began to change the trajectory of my life. But although that has been what God has, has called me out to do, one of the great, amazing reckonings that God has given me was to actually become ordained in the, in the church and serve the, the people of God and then begin to actually be audacious enough to say, I believe that the book of Acts isn't something that just happened. It's something that can happen today. And I had pastors go, probably going to pull me aside and go, hey, that, that's a little passionate. You need to tone it down some. And uh, that, that was the church then. And let me just tell you about the church now. It just can't really be that way. I was actually audacious enough to believe what I read. And it kind of got tamped down. But I just kept saying, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I actually want to hold God to his word. There's a passage that says God looks over his word to perform it. He, he wants to find somebody who will hold him to it. Say, God, would you do it again? Would you do it again? Would you actually do what you say you will do? And so the language that we use is really important. It's not about what once happened. It's what is happening today. Use the language that God is moving. 
It's not past tense, it's present tense. Because one day God will take the church out of this world. And there will no longer be a witness to a dark and dying world. And then the work and the mission is done. He has chosen to work with the people of God. And one day, that, I, that almost feels like the first question I want to ask God when I get to heaven. You're like this amazing, you, you created it all. You're the most powerful person in the world. Why did you want to work through a very feeble, scared, broken down people? Why? Why did you want to work through us? I just want to like ask him that. And, and we know the answer. It's because uh, it's an upside down kingdom. Those who want to be first must be last, right? And so it still amazes me that God wants to work through us, but he does. And so I just, I want to, I want to draw our minds to this image this morning. At the point of conversion, when you were saved, I call it the faithful hour, the hour of faith, the moment when you recognized your sin, you repented of your sin, you responded to Jesus as mighty enough to save you from your sin, and you received the gift, the free gift of salvation. When that happened for you, that was a moment of conversion. But God wants to move us from conversion to consuming His truth. His Word is truth. His Word is truth. So we move from conversion to consuming truth. Now I want you to know, most Christians have stopped and stayed there. Just consuming. Church has become a menu for them. They just come to church and they just pick off the theological menu the smorgasbord of good news that they want to listen to, and they just keep the rest out. That's a little too radical. That's a little too much. That's a little too awkward. That's a little too whatever. That's a little too over my head. I don't really want to do any work to dig into that. I'll have a little bit of this. Church has become a menu. Church is supposed to be a map, not a menu to consume only, but a map to learn how to cooperate with God so we can contribute to the kingdom. We must move from conversion to consuming to cooperating to contributing. And that's why today I want you to lean in on the edge of your seat. What is God doing in this moment? Because the question is not, what should I do? The question is, what is God doing, and how can I join him where he is moving? That's the question. It's not, Lord, what do you have for me? That's the wrong question. It's, Lord, what are you doing, and how can I obediently obey and join you there? I want to move from just consuming, God. I want to move to cooperating, so that in and through my obedience, obedience is better than sacrifice, we can together contribute for your kingdom. And the reason that we have this problem is because we have a disordered discipleship. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. Pretty good promise. But then Jesus also says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
And you know what we do? We just, we just, we just reverse that. We go, I'm going to build the church. Jesus needs me to do it. He's the head. I know we're the body, but he needs me to be the head. So I'm going to build the church. I'm going to fight the battles that he's supposed to be fighting. I'm going to spend the time spinning my wheels and resources trying to build the church because I don't want the gates of hell to prevail. And then Jesus will just take care of the kingdom stuff. He said, no. He said, you seek first the kingdom and this righteousness that I've called you to. Live obedient lives. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against that movement through the people of God. So we are, we are compromised. Our immune system is compromised because we are taking in a deception because we have disordered the word of God. Now, I want to talk about the pattern of presence here. There are two kingdoms colliding. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And by the way, Satan is not the king over hell. God himself is. God actually takes him and binds him through angels, as you read the book of Revelation, and he puts him in the the pit of fire. God is reigning over all. Satan is on a short leash. He cannot do what God has not allowed and ordained. He is fighting for his purposes that, of course, oppose God. But God can work through the difficult and the dark. And so the, the, fir- the first thing that, that I want us to look at is I want us to see that, and I call this the disciple dynamic. It's two competing, colliding kingdoms. And we have to recognize which pattern is prevalent. So this is the pattern of, pre- of presence. I want you to do this in your life. As we tell this story, I-, I, want you to, I want you to ask yourself, where am I under the cycle of deception? And where do I need the cycle of deliverance? As we just tell this story today, because I want you to move as a follower of Jesus converted from consuming to cooperating to contributing for the kingdom. My friends, the time is late. The hour is near. No man knows the day or the hour, but we have read the scriptures. And just as Jesus said it would look in the last days, it looks. And that should should bring us great hope. That should bring us great encouragement because the world isn't falling apart. It's just falling into place for what God said he would do in the end. It's not falling apart. Don't wag your finger at the sin in the city. Just let the salt be shook out of the shaker into the culture to get in contact with the lost world and watch God do the miracles that we sing about. Watch him do it. Watch him perform his word. Watch him work through you. Watch and witness 
Because he is going to do a work in our day that you would not believe even if you were told. That's what Habakkuk said. You're going to do a work in our day, God, that, that we would not even believe even if you told us. So, my friends, it's time that we move from consuming. And we got to leave behind the deception and the lies of this world because Satan is really good at one thing, deceiving. I have come to steal, kill, and destroy. This is what Satan is doing. But you know what God wants to do? He wants to deliver you from the bondage of the lies and the fear. He wants to give you a faith that can move mountains. He wants you to rise up on wings of eagles. He wants you to run and not grow weary. He wants you to tell the truth to a lost and dying culture so that he can begin to work through the testimony of the people of God. We have to recognize which pattern is prevalent in our lives, the secular or the sacred. The aim is to move with God into the sacred. Jesus wants to deploy me for his mission. That's what he wants. Satan wants to destroy me. The Savior wants to deploy me. Satan wants to destroy me. That's it. Jesus wants us to do what he he came to do. You know, he explicitly states his mission in Luke 19.10. He says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. That's what he to do. I love some theologians that I love. They, they say, you can't read the Gospels and not get hungry. Je- Jesus has just used the table to just dine with sinners and tax collectors and, all, and prostitutes. And, and he's just used the table to accomplish the mission of seeking and saving the lost. So, how do you use your table? Out of three meals a day, seven days a week, could we just use our tables once to just be a light among dark places and people? Just, just a real practical thing there. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. So, the cycle of deliverance, I want to start there. If my declaration every day that I live going to be Jesus is Lord, Okay, then there is a decision that I have to make. I have to make the decision to be discipled by the depth or the deep things of God. I have to make that decision. The cycle of deception says, if my declaration is I am Lord versus Jesus is Lord, then instead of a decision, the default position of the people who say, I am Lord, the default position is we will be discipled by distraction. So instead of being discipled by the deep things of God, we will be discipled by whatever little thing first grabs our attention in the morning. Attention is the axis of affection. What we pay attention to is what we love. It's what we worship. Here, here are the, the lenses for the cycle of deliverance. We have to deny ourselves. If we want to be disciple deep things of God that is every day, we, we, it's called the great condition in Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, if, if you want to follow, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross every day. If you want to follow me. 
There is not a way to follow Jesus apart from denying yourself. If you wake up every day and you are distracted, you're not following Jesus. If you haven't denied yourself, you're following yourself. You're following your will and your ways. Let's be very clear here. There is only time for God's people to join God's mission. No one else can do it. And if we are not doing the rudimentary things of following, there will be no fishing. There will be no reaching lost souls. It will not happen apart from following Jesus by denying ourselves. We have a disordered discipleship. I will follow Jesus on my own. So if we want to be delivered as we sing about, as we talked about, we have to deny ourselves so that, number two, God can develop us. We want to be developed so that we ultimately, number three, delight in the presence of the King. You know that he is beginning a work in you when he's moving lies out so that the Lord can move in. You see, at salvation, when you came to Christ, you got all of Jesus. The, the theological term is justification. If you would have died in that moment, if you would have gotten, you know, your heart would have stopped beating, beating after you surrendered your life to follow Christ, you would have gone right to heaven because you got all of Jesus. You're justified. But at the point of conversion, Jesus did not get all of you. We have to move into a, into a, into a season of sanctification. It's a lifelong journey from conversion until Jesus calls us home or until he comes again. He is continually developing us, sanctifying us, moving the lies out of our hearts so that the Lord can have our heart as a home. Our heart has become a hotel for idols to just move in and move out as they please because we're distracted. Jesus wants our heart to become a home where he has all of it. But that is a daily decision to be different. That is a daily decision to deny ourselves so that Jesus can develop us, so that we can delight in what he's doing, and ultimately, number four, so he can deploy us for mission. If you're spending time with Jesus... And he is not calling you from that place out into the darkness where the lost people are. It's not Jesus you're meeting with. You're meeting with your own version of a Jesus that you've created into your own image. And we do that to the text. We read the text in a way, I call it stitching Jesus. We stitch our own version of Jesus. We, we cut a little truth away from this portion of the text. We read a little portion over here. We cut a little truth away from here. And then we begin to sew together two truths to make our own version of Jesus. We begin to follow a Jesus that we make into our image because it's safe. It's convenient. If you want power, Paul says in, in Corinthians, he says, the kingdom is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. Where is there power in your life right now? There's no power because we need to be delivered, but we're deceived. We need a fresh deliverance. We need a daily deliverance from ourselves. So we, as we deny ourselves and Jesus begins to develop us, we delight in his presence. In his presence there's fullness of joy. 
so that he then deploys us. You see, we will never make a difference in the world until we are different. As Jesus makes us more and more like him, as he makes us different, and then we move out to the front lines of the darkness where the lost world lives, where he is. That's where he is. He came to seek and save the lost. By the way, he's not stopped doing it. When we end here today, you know where he goes? He, he goes out to the places where lost people are, and he invites you, come join me there. So if you love the presence of God, spend time with him in the morning. This is a pattern of presence. The pathway into his presence is to move from that intimacy with the Almighty out into the darkness where he's working on the front lines. If you love the presence of God, move from that intimacy out into a world that needs Jesus because he's calling them, but he's going to work through you. Your testimony of who God is and what he's doing, not just what he's done, but what he is doing in your life will be the seed of transformation in a lost world that's around you. So he deploys us. That's the cycle of deliverance. Here's how Satan works. Our default position when we wake up and we do nothing is just to be discipled by distraction. And so, number one, what Satan does is he disguises his lies. He always over-promises and under-delivers. This is his way of putting you in shackles. As we were singing this morning, I just got an image. Uh, as we were singing uh, one of the songs that talked about being in bondage and being in chains, I had an image, not just of chains on our hands, but chains on our minds, chains on our hearts. Our head, our hearts, and our hands, if they are chained, God can break those chains, but God will turn you over to the things that you ultimately keep pursuing. Romans 8 is very, very clear about that that they will be turned over to their own lusts, to their own sin, to their own preferences. Sometimes we're so filled with our own preferences that there's no room for the kingdom. We have so much of who we are and what we want in us that there's no room for the kingdom. So the cycle of deception moves from Satan disguising his lies as these lovely-looking things, it then moves into dysfunction. If you have dysfunction in your life today, you're deceived. I didn't say struggles. I said dysfunction. If there is broken relationships, if there are things in your life that you have been living in dysfunction with, there is the root of deception. Number two, that, dis that dysfunction moves into division. There starts to be relational infighting. And, and where that division is, it ultimately moves to what Satan hopes to accomplish through his deception, which always begins with distraction it ultimately moves to destruction. So which pattern and which presence do you recognize in your life today? Is it the cycle of deliverance? Are you walking with God in and through hard and difficult things? Or 
Are you at a place where you see deception? Where are you? And as you lean in today, as we continue today to worship the Lord, I want to just, I want to invite, before we go any further, all of the kids who can't, some of them left, but all of the kids, if you guys want to just come here up, up to the stage and sit on these steps, any of the kids, if we have some adults come up, it's a little awkward, but, but they're, they're kids at heart. All the kids, come on up here. Sit wherever and however uh, you want. Some can come over here. Yeah, man, there's plenty of room over here. There you go, bud. Man, I'm gonna, can, can I walk out here with the mic? Will it scream or anything at me? Okay. Um, I don't want any background or f- feedback. So... Good morning, guys and gals. How you doing? It's good to see you. So we are, um, as a family, I want to just start naming a few of our our kids. This is my wife. uh, First of all, my wife, Mary. Uh, We've been married for 13 years, and uh, we're both from Fort Lauderdale, both born and raised. Um, We had three of our kids uh, in South Florida, but... um, we, uh, we've moved about four years ago to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, to extend um, our there. But um, our, our children in order are, this is Jameson Jr., who just turned 11. And then we have Noah, who's eight. And then we have our daughter, Eliana, who is six. And then our youngest son, Nehemiah, who is, how old are you? How old are you? He's three. I love asking him that question. Um, so these are our four kids and we are so happy to meet all of you guys. Thank you for letting us come into your house today, your house of worship and talk about Jesus and, and get to meet a bunch of new friends and, and just, just be together. We, we love this. And one day God is going to use you in a mighty way. I believe that. I believe that God did not just have you to be born at, for such a time as this, to just kind of go along through life, but to actually rise up, to rise up in this moment, and to be a light. You guys, you boys and girls, you young men and women, you're a light. That's who you are. As a follower of Jesus, you're a light. Now, can, can you just raise your hand if, to all the kids here, all the young men and women, raise your hand if you have already become a follower of Jesus. You've surrendered your life to Jesus to say, be my Savior, be my Lord. Amen. Okay, I think that's every hand, except for Nehemiah. Nehemiah, you haven't actually yet because you're three. We're still, we're still working on the... Uh, uh, on and on, but good job keeping it down. Atta boy. So it looks like everybody has it, and mom and dad, that's, that's amazing. I, we're going to leave the ultimate conversations about all these great things with you. But today, because we don't, I don't know your kids, um, I just wanted to share something before we talk about a pretty 
pretty raw and real story that happened to our family just 12 weeks ago. I wanted to give you a construct, uh, something to hold on to. Do all of you love to swim? Do you guys like to swim? Everybody likes to get in the water and swim? You know, when, when you're swimming, sometimes it's fun to dive down and do all the things you like to do, but other times it's good to have something you can hold on to and help you float, even though you know how to swim, right? And so although it looks like most of you know Jesus, praise God that he saved you for his eternal purposes. But even when we know the truth, sometimes we need something to cling to when we face hard things. And so before we talk about some really pretty scary and, and difficult things, I wanted to just talk to you and say, God is with you even when you go through hard things. And um, you, you guys, let's, I want to hear, I want to I tell you about a song, and we're going to hear it together if we, if we can, if we have that ready um, in just a second here. Um, just last Saturday, I was, I gathered all four of my kids together in the living room floor at the house that we're staying at in Plantation at a friend's house who's, who's opened their home up to us. And uh, I was just really deeply impacted. I think you and I had just started texting Pastor Rigo, uh, maybe like the day before or something. And uh, I, I just was really celebrating that, that the Lord saved Jameson's life and that he, he saved all of our lives uh, that day out at the reef. And as I was just overcome with uh, the presence of God as I was just spending time alone with the Lord that evening. And, and then, I, then I found a new song, a song I had never heard. It's called Home by a guy named Jeremy Riddle. And we're going to listen to that song in a second. And in that song, kids, you know, you know what it talks about? It talks about heaven, to heaven being real. Heaven's real. It's not this theoretical place. It's not something that um, is kind of partly true, but not really true. It's real. Heaven is real. And I, w- I was just telling my kids after I heard this song about how we believed that even if the Lord chose not to spare Jameson's life that day, that I knew, we knew as a family, that he would be in heaven. And that heaven's a real place. And we're going to tell you a part of our story here in a second to where we had to make a decision to actually trust that. And so I was, as I was pondering back on that, looking back on that, um, I was telling Jameson and, and Nehemiah and Noah and Eliana how grateful to God I am that heaven's real and that Jameson and Noah had surrendered their life to follow Jesus. And my daughter, Eliana, looked at me and she said, um, but dad, I haven't done that yet. And we, we've kind of been telling her, uh, both boys surrendered their lives at the age of six. Jameson here in Fort Lauderdale, and I got to baptize him in the ocean. Um, Noah up in Charlotte, not long after we moved there around our dinner table, then I got to baptize him at actually in Grandma's pool. And, uh, and so we've been saying to Eliana, this is your year, honey. 
even before the shark attack, that, that there was just an expectation in our hearts that, that God was speaking to her, moving in her life, and, and we, we try as parents to, to not, you know, force our kids, but we try to lead our kids and help them see what God is doing. And, and we were just sharing that. This is your year. And just kind of waiting for the Lord, you know, to open that moment up. And so as we talked a little bit more, honey, Eliana, what, what happened, honey? Yes. Amen. Amen. We're so proud of you. We can't wait to see how God's going to use you and continue to use you, Noah, and Jameson, and Nehemiah. One day soon, it's going to be your day. The Lord's calling you, man. You know it? <laughs> hey, and he's, and he's calling you. He's calling you. It's real, guys. What we believe about heaven is real. And it's our home. It's a, it's a place that we're going to go to, a place that we're going to go to in the presence of God one day. And so I want, I want you, if you've never trusted Jesus, you young men and women of God, I want you to talk to your pastor, talk to your parents. <laughs> if we're here, you can talk to me even. And we want you to place your faith, your hope, and your trust in Jesus as the one who is mighty to save. Before we play this song, I'm just going to say this. And uh, would you give these kids a hand? You guys can, you guys can go back to your seats. Proud of you guys. You did a great job. Uh, this, um, this song, um, I, I think is brand new, like in the last less than two weeks. And uh, um, just want to set it up, and then we're going we're gonna to just, after this song, really just tell you uh, detail by detail as much as we can um, what God did on the reef uh, 12 weeks ago. Um, there's a moment after the shark attack where um, we, we've pulled Jameson out of the water, and uh, I'll tell you all about that in a second, and as we realize the severity of the attack and the bite. Um, there was a moment where I had to pick my son up, kiss him on the forehead, and hand him off to another boat, knowing that I may never see him this side of heaven again because of how, how bad the, the attack was. And in that moment, for whatever crazy reason, I could let go because I knew heaven was real. And I knew that our heavenly, eternal Father would hold my son until I could hold him again. And so parents, I, I want you to know your children don't follow Jesus by chance. Just because you have a Christian home and you come to church once a week maybe, once a month, I don't know. You give money, you, you tithe, and, and you should. That does not bring or buy salvation. 
You must, as mom and dad, not just live it, but you must speak it. And in those moments that I released my son, I knew. I did not know what the outcome would be. It, it didn't look good. But I knew that that was his best chance of being saved that day. And so as a father, we all must prepare to raise up and release our children. And God prepared me, has been preparing me to do that, even though he at the time was only 10. He's just turned 11. But because we knew the hope of heaven and that Jameson had prayed to receive Christ and was living for Jesus, I knew that not only did Jesus know Jameson, but Jameson knew Jesus. And his life would be eternally saved. And so let's just listen to this song. And I just want you to, to realize the hope that we have in heaven, our eternal home. This world is not our home, but heaven is. Let's listen to this song. Distant shore awaiting me home A city that you're building home I know your love is leading me home Home Where we're
Heaven is real. Heaven is real. Our home is secured because the King of glory said that he would go before us to prepare a place for us. If it were not so, would I have told you? No. He tells the truth, and his promises are yes and amen. And today, the yes of God is that we would go forth into a world and let the world know there is an eternal resting place, heaven or hell, and who you love and who you worship this side of eternity matters. Today, we're going to give you a chance to respond in just a second. And I I see just a couple of groups. There are lost people who don't know Jesus, who need Jesus. There are stalled people who have stopped actively following Jesus. They've stopped denying themselves and pursuing the things of God. And then there are people who are just fallen into darkness and despair, and they have been in a place of darkness and despair, and they don't know, they're languishing, they don't know how to move from that place forward. I see three groups today. You see, the people of God are the only ones that can reach lost people. And if we are not prepared every day for God's mission, and the world continues to advance its dark kingdom, Church, this is our finest hour. This is not our final hour. It is our finest hour. And I want to just tell you about the finest hour of our life when we got to see God in the details, where we got to see God in the interruptions. It was 12 weeks ago yesterday. We were, as a family, in the Florida Keys. We had just uh, finished some ministry time in South Florida, and um, we, we were at a friend's house, and we had just arrived, and we were preparing to go to one of our favorite places, Lou Key Reef in the Lower Keys. And we're going to spend some time there and head back to Charlotte. Uh, this is August 13th this year, 2022. And as We went out to the reef that beautiful day. There were boats everywhere. There were boats all around this reef. This reef is nine miles offshore. And as we were approaching, we we just as a family were talking. We were were engaging about the joy that we had in our hearts to get back out there. It had been a little while earlier in the year. It was the last time we had been uh, to the reef. And so we were so excited to get back to the reef. It was so calm and clear and uh, Luke Key Reef is, a, is an SPA, it's a, it's a, it's a protected area, and, uh, and so we were, you can't fish there, you can't, you know, put anything in the water, and so we were just going to just snorkel, and 
So we had been doing that. We got there uh, early in the afternoon and been in the water, and it was just glorious. We're seeing all kinds of beautiful things. And we then got out of the water to eat a sandwich and, and, and just, just have a little, little refresh out of the water. And right at that, not, not long after doing that, a turtle surfaced right next to the boat. And Jameson, our oldest, said, Dad, can I grab the GoPro and, and, and video the turtle? Get in the water and just let's see what happens. And, and I was like, let's do it, man. So Nehemiah, uh, our youngest, and Jameson, our oldest, and I got in the water, and he began to film on the GoPro the turtle. And as that was happening, um, I was watching uh, under the water with, with my mask a truly spiritual encounter. Like, this interaction between Jameson and the turtle was so unreal. I've been in the water, I've been, been, at the, been going to that reef since his age, and I have never, I've always wanted to be able to have that kind of an encounter with the turtle, but never had. I get close to one, and then it just scoots off, you know, it kind of gets scared and skittish, and, and he was just like, right with the turtle, swimming with the turtle. And, and it was so beautiful, and I didn't want Nehemiah or I to ruin that moment, so we just kind of stayed back a little bit. And Jameson was just videoing and having a time, the time of his life. And so to keep Nehemiah, little Nehemiah occupied, I was finding stuff on the, on the floor of the oceans, just eight feet deep of water, very shallow. There's plenty of pools deeper than that. And... Uh, so we were on the inside of the reef, if you're familiar with that reef. The outside, it drops down to even 40 feet at some points. But um, we were at a very shallow, just kind of tame, calm part. And uh, so I look down, and I see this huge, beautiful queen conch. And I say, you know, let me, let me go down and grab that and bring it up and just kind of show it to Nehemiah. And this will be really cool, and we'll have a little moment together while Jameson's having um, this amazing moment with this turtle. And as I begin to surface, um, I begin to hear the screaming. From Mary, my wife, and our two middle children, uh, Noah and Eliana, who were on the boat with Mama, and, uh, and, and Jameson, um, just off to the side of the boat uh, from where I was. And as he was screaming and she was screaming my first instinct was just close the distance just just go get your son but I had little Nehemiah and I just knew I needed to get him back to the boat and once you're back to the boat well let's just take the boat and uh, pull the divers down flag in release the bow line uh, from the buoy and crank the engine and we were to him within seconds we had no clue what what has happened we just know our son needs us he's calling for help so he has a pool noodle and he is leaning on the pool noodle, looking down in the water. That's kind of how uh, we, we, we like to snorkel. You find something, you can dive down and explore it, come back up. The current was very gentle that day, not any breeze whatsoever, no waves, just ideal conditions. And so we were able to do that and come back up and grab the noodle because it wouldn't have, you know, drifted. And, uh, and then hold the noodle and keep cruising around until we find something and go down. And so, by the grace of God, he was on the pool noodle when the shark came and attacked him, or he would have just drowned, uh, even, in, even in a matter of uh, those short moments 
uh, before we got to him. He, he would have he just drowned. And he had just come up from being down with the turtle to grabbing the noodle. But he's 70 pounds. He's 10 years old. And what we now know, it was a nine-foot, four- to 500-pound bull shark that attacked this 10-year-old, 70-pound boy. We're talking about a monster. We're not talking about a small, mistaken situation. We're talking, not talking about a bite, oh, and let me release. We're talking about an attack. Uh, we're talking about uh, the severity. We have uh, Dr. Uh, Daniel Chen here today, or Dr. Daniel Chan, I'm sorry, and uh, he's become a dear friend through the situation, and he's one of the first people uh, that I got on the phone with to discuss the severity uh, of, of Jameson's um, wound and bite. And so, as we approach, we don't know any of this because he's sitting on the noodle. Now, now here, here's something you need to know. When you sit on a pool noodle, I don't care if you're 70 pounds or however, you know, however much you weigh, it's a, it's a pool noodle. It's only so buoyant, you're going to sink that thing down. As we approached him on the boat, Jameson was being held up out of the water on the pool noodle. And as Mary and I are watching our son, we, we talked about this later, we're looking and going, I, I don't understand how and what is happening to hold him up out of the water. But as, as we approached and I began to maneuver the boat around the edge of the reef and, and our son, my wife dives in and performs a miracle uh, salvation of our son. She saves his life and brings him over to the back of the boat. We still have no clue what's happened. And I come to the, to the dive platform to pick Jameson up out of Mary's arms. And as I lift him up out of the water, we see for the very first time, just below his knee, his right knee, all the way down to his heel, we see only bone, just all the flesh removed from his right leg just below the knee. And at that moment, I, 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 I let out a, a scream of denial, and I just said no. And as I'm holding my son, I look into his big, beautiful eyes, and he says, Daddy, Jesus is going to save me. Those are the first words out of his mouth. He wasn't screaming. He wasn't crying. He had just been brutally attacked by a nine-foot, massive bull shark, and he didn't have a prayer of hope. He had a profession of faith in that confession, Daddy, Jesus is going to save me. And from the moment that it all happened, he set the tone. A 10-year-old, and that's why I'm telling you, children, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Nobody knows what their child is going to do in that situation, but I promise you, as we have sought to raise our children by the grace of God, that which was in him began to come out. The, the, the challenge and, and, and the pain began to have a point. Listen to me today. If you're here and you're going through pain, your pain has a point. God is trying to bring out of you what he has put in you. It's time to make a profession of faith. 
Your life may seem and feel like a mess, but God has a message in the midst of the mess. God is doing something. What Satan intended for evil, God can use for great good. But you got to come home. My friends, he's real. Jesus is his name. He's the Savior of the world. And as we began to call out to the name of our most high God, I laid him down on the back of the boat. I brought Mary back onto the boat. And I began to run the boat across the reef to other boats to begin to find help. And I just began to call out CPR, and she said, he's breathing. I said, tourniquet, and she grabbed a rash guard and tied a tourniquet right above his knee. And as we got to the other boats, I just down and just scream and wave, wave our arms, help, 911, medical emergency, small child, shark attack, help, help, help. And as we approached the other boat, they began to call 911. And now we're rail to rail boats, side to side, and, and somebody else is boarding our boat, a female, and I, I'm like, who are you? And she's like, here's what I heard. She goes, I, I'm an angel sent from God with medical skills. And I'm like, what, what is happening? She had another boat, and she heard us screaming, and she left her boat, swam 50-plus yards to our boat, and she had a, a marine uh, medical uh, first aid bag and, and just put it on the boat the night before and was swimming and boarding our boat, and they had just anchored to their buoy two minutes before we got there. And as... She boards our boat. Jennifer boards our boat. She and Mary, me and, me and the other captain, Kyle, be, tied another tourniquet above Jameson's knee with a, a bigger rope. And I'm listening to uh, the young man on their boat on, on the phone with the 911 dispatch. And they're saying, we're at channel, channel marker 24, red triangle 24. She's like, right, let me patch you through to Coast Guard. And, and Coast Guard can find you, and da-da-da-da. And I'm going, no, 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 we, we can't wait here. I don't know how, but God gave me the clarity of mind in that moment to say we cannot wait. Even if we meet them halfway, we can't sit here and let it come to us. We have to go to it. And I looked at Kyle, and I said, Kyle, do you know where the marina is that they're calling to meet uh, the emergency medical at, the EMT? He says, I know right where it is. And that's when I reached down and I picked Jameson up off the back of the boat. And I kissed my son on the forehead. And I handed him rail to rail across our boat. And I, I said to Kyle, run him in and save his life. And I let my son go. And my wife and that certified medical assistant that Jennifer, who got on our boat, jumped on the boat, and they ran in. It just so happened that that boat, 37-foot boat, had triple 350 horse, uh, uh, horsepower engines on the back of it, the fastest boat on the reef that day. They said, why did you pick us? I said, I didn't pick you. I said, I, I, just, I just went to the closest boat I, I saw, and, and it was your boat. And they ran at 75 miles an hour all the way into to Dolphin Marina, Ramrod Key, and they closed nine miles in about 11 minutes in a boat. That's 
unbelievably fast. And as they, as they were approaching, EMT was already there waiting. And they grabbed him off the back of the boat um, and, and loaded him into the uh, EMT. But I want to tell you something that is just incredible that happened. As they were running in, and of course, I wasn't there. I was on the boat with Noah and Eliana and Nehemiah. And as we approached, as uh, Noah was on the bow of the boat and, and away from where the, the bloody back of the boat was, Noah and Eliana and Nehemiah were singing, Jesus loves me, just to comfort each other in the midst of all this. Noah was singing, leading them. Little did we know that as Jameson was running in on that other boat at 75, Mary looks at him and leans in and says, Honey, are you? And he began to sing, Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Just began to worship in the midst of storm. And you can't train your kids to do that, but you can give the hope that heaven is real. And when they face trials of many kinds, they will know that the testing of their faith will produce perseverance. And they will begin to worship in the midst of life's storms. Jameson began to sing, and a few moments later, Kyle, who was also holding his hand, there's no medical, there's no medical explanation for what I'm about to tell you. We have several doctors here, Dr. Danny's here as well, Dr. Rodrigo, um, Dr. Chen is here, Chan is here. Um, we have two friends, Dr. Ch we have another Chan and Chen, so forgive me, Daniel. Um, and uh, these doctors and other doctors, medical people have told us uh, there isn't a medical explanation for what I'm about to tell you. Um, Kyle, about six weeks after the attack, just, you know, different things because so many dynamic pieces. I was on the phone with Kyle, and Kyle said, um, Jameson, your son was holding my hand, and he was saying his leg hurt, and I told him, we're almost to, to, the, to the dock, and they're going to give you some medicine to help with the pain. And he says, no, 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 it's okay. I see God. Jameson said to Kyle, I see God. I said, Kyle, what, what happened? He, he saw God, and Kyle was just trying to articulate I don't believe I don't think he's a believer. And he's trying to articulate with very unique language what is happening to me <laughs> 6 weeks later. And I said, "Well, what happened next?" And he said, "Jameson, I I've never I don't understand what happened next." I said, "We well, have to tell me so I can understand you know what's going on." He said, your son was as white as a sheet. He was as white as a sheet when we approached him in the water. He had already lost most of his blood. And uh, as we began to get further and further away from, from the moment of the attack, um, very little blood was coming out because he had lost um, most of his blood, even though he had tourniquets and everything. And uh, so he's just so white. 
it's very little blood, such a low plasma count. And uh, Kyle told me, as soon as he told me that he saw Jesus, all the color in his face came back. He went from white to his chest, his face, his body, his arms. He went from white to like that tan olive color again. There's no blood to do that but the presence of God. And when God holds you, it changes everything. And God was holding our son, even though we were doing all that we could to, to, to help in that moment, it was God who saved Jameson. And as we got back to the dock, and as they then called the airlift, and as the airlift took him in 30 minutes, record time from the lower keys, it's over a three-hour drive from the lower keys, from the time of the bite to, to getting to the hospital, it was an hour. And in that hour, in that, his fateful hour, his fate, he found what God has called him to do, our son. And, and as parents, it was our finest hour because we let our son go to God. We say, God, have your way. But I believe in and through the fateful hour and the finest hour, there is yet a faithful hour, an hour of faith. Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we are just saying, Lord, as we tell this story, increase faith in the world. Take that fateful hour, take this finest hour of trusting you, God, letting and releasing our son. Would you use us to tell the world of the hope that is in Jesus Christ? And may faith arise. Today, as, as we conclude, I know we, we went really, really long here today. I know I went really long. Um, I, I don't know, uh, Pastor, if, uh, if, it's, if it's usual to do this. Um, I don't know who... Uh, the young lady who is playing the keys, is she still in here? Could, could you come back up? I, I just I want to do this as as quickly as we can, but I just want I want to just give us a chance to respond today. Listen, it was twelve men who changed the world. It was twelve. We might seem whatever our number is here today, against a world that seems to rage on in its darkness. We might seem little against that great big empire of darkness, but I promise you, if our faith rises today, there is no weapon that can prosper. Amen? We have little arrows that we're shooting out into the world. Listen, my friends, the hour is late. The kingdom is near. The king is coming. You saw on the video, and I'm glad we, glad we started with that. Jameson said this. Daddy, when he's in the hospital, he said, Daddy, um, I don't want this. And he pointed to his leg. 
is right love. Daddy, I don't want this to be my greatest nightmare anymore. And I don't want this place, which he loved the hospital, the sweet, kind, gentle care of not just the great physician, but many great physicians. And all the people that God used to save our son. They worked quickly and swiftly, and they worked their craft with all their heart. Hospital on his leg, I don't want this to be my greatest nightmare. He said, Daddy, I want to I go back. I said, well, that's great, man. We'll go back one day. It'll be amazing. I can't wait to go with you. I'm the man for the job. I'm with you. He said, no, Daddy, I want to go back now. I want to face my fear. It's 11 years old. I don't care what fear you have in your life. You saw a little boy who still has real fear. It's very real. But he jumped back in the water. You saw him. I rescue at the reef, and our return to the reef is all about letting faith rise. Faith over fear. Where does faith need to rise? In the people of God today. And we're not going to do this long, but I want you to respond today. I want you to lean to the edge of your seat. I want you to get ready to get up out of your seat. If you're somebody here today who says, I need faith. I need faith to believe. I believe that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I want Jesus to be my Savior, to save my life. As we led Eliana, as Jameson, her two big brothers, and Noah led Eliana with me to Jesus just a week ago. All the kids said, Daddy, how do we know that we're saved? And I just said, get into the presence of God every day, and we just surrender. So you might say for the first time, I need to surrender for the first time. You might say for the hundredth, thousandth time that you need to surrender and you need to let go. Whoever you are, wherever you are today, we need the people of God to rise. God wants to cooperate with you so that together we, in these final hours, we can contribute to the kingdom. I think one of the things that God's going to ask us when we get there, I love Dr. D. James Kennedy just down the road. He created Evangelism Explosion at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. He thinks those questions are, why should I let you into my kingdom? And that's probably a fair question. But I think one of the one of God's going to ask is, how many did you with you? Did you let your light shine in a way that it drew men? It drew people who have faith in God, who is capable and mighty to save. Would you let your life be a lighthouse today? And would you just say, I'm just going to lay down my fear. And I'm going to ask God to let faith arise. The dragon took with its tail out of the stars of the sky, out of, out of the heavens. He took one-third of the angels. Church, listen to me. There are two-thirds 
of angelic beings doing God's work in the world. Those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. Those who are for us are greater than those who are against us. Stop being afraid. It is not an empire of darkness that is greater than this small room of a handful of Christians today. It is all of us versus all of them, and we are greater because God says so. Do you believe him? Will you take him at his word today? Will you let faith arise? Will you let fear fall? And will you come to Jesus and say, I'm open? I want to just open up the altar. I just want you to come. And I want you just to lay on your feet. And I want you just to cry out to God. And I want you to say, Jesus, become my Savior. Jesus, become my sender. Send me to the front lines. Let me believe that the work you are doing in and through my life is to bring salvation to the least that are near me. Come and ask Him to be your Savior today. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I'm a person who has let fear dictate instead of faith arise. I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to let you respond by coming forward. I think it's important to step up and step out. I think it's important. If the LGBTQ community can come out. I think it's time for the church to drop the cloak of invisibility, to stop blending in, and to step up and to step out and say, today is the day I will not be silent. I will not sit down. I will not let fear and the darkness arise. I will let faith arise. And Jesus is going to meet you as you step up and step out. Who's willing? Who's ready? As I pray, just I want you to step up. And I want you to step out. Come to these altars. Sit, sit at your, your, your chair and cry out to God. Father, we believe that he who is in us, you, you who are in us is greater than he who is in this world. It's time that we stop just consuming that thought and we start cooperating with you towards your mission. And I pray that the saints of God would rise today, not just, just in their minds, but with their hands and their hearts, that they would rise up in Jesus' name. And then they would say, Lord, here am I, send me. Here am I all for you, God. You can have all of me. I'm tired of holding on to the lies of this world. I want to have the love and the light of Christ guiding me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, have all of me. Jesus, thank you for what you did 2,000 years ago by conquering death, conquering fear, overcoming you are the great overcomer, and we walk in the spirit of the overcomer today. Jesus, have your way.
as you come this morning, as you rest and as you trust, know that a 10, 11-year-old boy cried out at a reef just 12 weeks ago. And as a direct result of him crying out, we have heard testimony after testimony. Hey, I I heard your story. I, I tried to commit suicide. And because of your son's faith, I want God to take life as a mess and use it as a message of hope, just like Jameson Jr. But see, that's your life too. That's your life too. Let God use you and know that as he does, you'll find Nehemiah chapter 4, the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Lord, fill us with power today. Fill us with the supernatural power to do supernatural things for the king and the kingdom today. We declare that Jesus, you are king, and where you are king, your kingdom can advance, and where your kingdom advances, it fixes broken things, and it heals broken people. So Father, we declare you as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, kingdom of God, would you come forth Would you rescue people? Would you cause them to return back to the waters of their rescue and declare the faithfulness and the goodness of God so that people who are in bondage can be set free? Lazarus, come out of the grave today. Oh, you who are dormant and darkened by the ways of this world, come out in Jesus' name. There's power in the name of Jesus, and we just declare the victory of God, that the name of Jesus over every heart in this place today. Raise us up, Lord, to be a mighty army that goes forth by faith, no longer deterred by fear. Forward by faith we march, and we follow the overcomer, Jesus, who is the Christ, the King of the world. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, the name of Jesus, where every knee will bow one day and every tongue will confess that you, O God, are Lord. I'm going to ask some of our leadership if they could come up. Omar, if you could come up. You know, as you were, um, I, I want to spend the moment and just pray for this family. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful time today in his presence. Um, uh, Pastor Jameson, thank you so much. But you know, at the same time, this is very new. This is fresh. Uh, I know a lot of things are going to be said to you and lot of things, people are going to want to share a lot of things to you, young Jameson. Um, But I know God's going to prepare you for the things that you have to say to them. I don't know why, I don't even know if this means anything right now, so I'm just going to try to be obedient to it. But I just started thinking about Moses. 
it means to be drawn out. And uh, for some reason, I just, I saw that name all over you, Moses. And what I saw was the name drawn out. Uh, those waters where maybe they could have been a place of even death was actually a place of confirmation of what you were meant to be. And you're going to begin to walk in that. And those waters didn't drown you. And the reason why you were lifted up out of those waters, which is not explainable, no one can explain that, it's because God has called you, drawn out. He's drawn you out. And that which was to destroy you is going to be used to push you forward. But Moses' life, it was a journey from there. And you're going through a journey and you're going to continue and the whole family's going to continue. But I think all of this is to come back. And you're going to come back to that place like you've done already. Like something Moses would do. Here you are doing the same thing. And that story and that instance is going to be a continual place where God's going to bring you back to. Because through that, many are going to come to be saved. But you're going to free many from their place of darkness, from their Egypt. And God is calling a Moses out for this generation. And I'm believing that over your life. And I believe that you have a great family that's going to help lead in that. So I think this family's drawn out so that many others could be drawn out of their darkness. And I think that I think that, that window's going to open, that door's going to open, and you guys are going to start seeing it. You know, I even said it in the phone. I said for when the book is written and for, you know, it's just saying things, but I believe that God is going to start putting into place all these things because there's going to be a great harvest. There's going to be a great harvest. So I'm just going to be praying in days and years to come and see the fruit of what that meant to be drawn out and to be the Moses of this time. So, so grateful for you guys for being vulnerable and being here because that's not easy, you know, to, to repeat those stories and to share that. I can't even imagine how difficult that may be, but that you guys just said yes to it, to, to us. You didn't have to do that. And um, thank you. Thank you for that. We want to pray for you guys today if that's okay. Amen. Let's pray. Um, okay, you guys want to stand with me and just maybe stretch out your hands and, and let's pray over them and let's believe for them. T, pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for this family. your plans and your purpose it's not in our hands it's not in our planning it's in nothing that we have and what we can do but we surrender to you and to your plans to your purposes And Lord, we believe that all that has been done and all that will continue will be 
will become, it will show, it would, it's going to give proof, it's going to give evidence, and it's going to bear the fruit of the mighty name of Christ, of the mighty power of Jesus. And I believe through trauma, and I believe through a moment of pain, and I believe, Lord God, that through a moment, Lord God, where there's so many questions and so many tears, that as you were confirming, even in that moment, Lord God, as songs were being sung to you, as declarations were being said that you were going to save, that your hand was involved and your hand was in it, Lord God. And there were not questions like, but why did the shark and why did this have to happen, Lord God? But there will be a testimony that will rise up, Lord God, that it will give greater purpose, Lord God, because there will be many, Lord God, as scripture says, that will look up to the Christ that is risen up. And scripture says that if you are risen up, many will be drawn to you. And we pray for this reader family right now that, Lord God, through this story, Lord God, and through the stories to come, that like never before Christ will be risen up Lord and you will have the glory and many would come to your feet and bow down and surrender their lives to you Lord and Lord I pray for that phrase drawn out I pray for the Moses Lord God picture that you gave and I pray Lord God for that continual boldness Lord God I pray for that courage Lord God I pray for that strength Lord God that as you take this family through Lord God and as you continue Lord God to hold them together that you would show them what that means that they would walk in that purpose Lord and that in their drawn out that they would see that there's a calling to draw out many many out of hell many out of darkness Lord God and to walk and enter into your marvelous light so we believe it lord i pray for a special anointing over this young man over his brothers over his sister pray that these young children of the reader family, Lord God, would be used mightily, Lord God, mightily to shake the foundations of hell, that demons would tremble, Lord, that when Jameson opens his mouth to his friends and to family members, to people that he meets, when they ask him, what happened to you? That, Lord, when he opens his mouth, Lord God, salvation enters into the hearts of every single one of them, Lord God. I pray that you would give them seeds of purpose, that he would plant in the hearts of many whose soil is rotten and the seed that you place in him would produce much fruit in the land and that is not fertile that you would make it fertile again to produce much i i pray for glory and an anointing over his life i pray for angels that would surround this family that you would use his brothers that you would use his sister lord god to do mighty and great things that this would be a family that remains united for the kingdom of heaven for your purposes lord god and that, Lord, that they will declare the works, the wonders, and the mighty and saving power of Jesus, Lord. I pray for mom. I pray for dad. I pray as they lead this family. I pray as they go forward that you will continue to give them wisdom and understanding and knowledge in all things. That, Lord God, that they would know the yeses that they have to say yes to and the noes they have to say no to, Lord God. That they would lead these children as they do so all in purpose, Lord. And that you would 
use them, Lord, to continue to pastor these children. Bless them, Lord. There are mothers, Lord God, that would, are going to be presented to her, Lord God, that are going to come with tragedy, that are going to come with pain, and she's going to be an ointment of healing over them, Lord. She's going to have a story to say to them, Lord, and, then, and they're, they're going to just bow at your feet. They're going to repent. They're going to they're gonna come broken before you because you're going to give mom a voice. You're going to give mom a word, and she's going to speak power and life into moms which all they feel is defeat and death because of tragedy that they've gone through lord the same thing for dad lord that you will anoint him lord that lord many families lord will come to them and many fathers and many men are going to come to him lord god and he's going to be able to look at them in the eyes lord and he's going to be able to embrace these men men lord god that are filled lord god with with cloaks lord garments layers of garments but you're going to give him a grace to release them from the garments of filth, to release them from the clothes that they've put on that are just weighing them down and causing them to live in burden. And you're going to give them a grace, Lord God, to release them from the burden of this world and that they would live and walk with the burden of Christ upon them. You're going to give them an an anointing to do that and a blessing to do that, that in this pain and that in this, Lord God, it is not a tragedy but it's the work of Jesus Christ so that the name of Christ can be glorified and so that all heaven would rejoice because not one but many will come to you because of the power and because of the declaration that holds this family together and that is Jesus Christ our Lord we give you praise and we give you honor it's in your name and together we say yes Lord and amen hallelujah hallelujah